Okay. So the topic is to how to answer questions, which is something very practical, especially anyway. A person always finds himself in a situation where they get asked questions, whether it's just in the small setting of their own family, sometimes it's with uh, colleagues or work, co-workers, whatever it is. And for Kavachim, the person is going into Kira or into Rabbanus, so then they expect as a Makara was a Rav to be asked questions. And uh, it's, it's Kadai not to get thrown by the question, which means you've already thought about it yourself and you already have an answer. Not just because that way I come across knowing being better able to do my job, but for myself also. If it is a question, then I need to know the answer too. It's not that I have to wait for somebody to make me think about it and now, oh wow, actually that's, that's a good point. I never thought about that before. So it's Kadai to, to think about questions to answer them, to know the answers. It clarifies our emunah, it clarifies our commitment to Torah. And like I said, besides for that, if it's, besides for knowing the answer, which a person has to do for themselves anyway, there's a second point, and that is knowing how to answer. And that's, uh, there's two, that's why there's two separate parts to this fight. One is what the answer is. And uh, that's a part of the emunah, which w- whether or not you're going to get asked the questions, you need to know for yourself. And so many people, I'm saying this as a side point, so many people never think about these points, which are principles, which are central to Yishkat, either because they don't bother to think, or just they assume that uh, it must be that there is an answer because someone must have solved the question. But it means that their own uh, appreciation of or understanding of Torah or of the mitzvahs or of whatever point of Ashkaf it is, is very, very superficial. They've never bothered to think about it, they never bothered to de- deepen it. And uh, the, the best way for a person to uh, clarify and strengthen their emunah is if, if it's more clear to them. So you don't need someone to w- wait for someone to ask you about how do you know Mashiach is going to come, or what's going to happen when Mashiach comes, or what's the difference between Olam Haba and Ganeidin, or whatever other question is going to be. Or how do you know if a person deserves punishment or reward, or why is it fair that Hashem punishes people in Those are emunah questions. Or if you want to ask questions about uh, about Sashkafa, whatever, whatever way it's going to be, you have to have someone to ask you. It's something which you need to know for yourself. So the one point is the information. That our own emunah is clear, our own Ashkafa is clear. Then the second point of the divide is how to present that information. Because, and we see even in Chazal themselves that there was a big difference between the two. Very often we find in Chazal stories of Romans who came to ask uh, the various Tanoim questions, and the Tanah answered them. And then afterwards, the continuation of the Midrash or the Chazal is, that the Talmudim said, that's what you answered him, or what you answer us. Which means, it's not that he lied to them, but there's a different te- style of how you answer, depending on who you're answering. And that's, that's more the point you have to talk about, um, if you're going to be called upon to answer questions, and that is how to understand what the question is, and, how to, and where the question is coming from, and therefore how to phrase the answer. Not that you're going to lie, obviously, not that you're not going to present the truth, obviously, but there's a, a technique in, in how you're going to put forward the point you want to say. And therefore, if it's a <coughs> question which is being asked in a discussion on a very uh, philosophical nature, I can answer one way. If it's a question which is being asked by a beginner who's just in an open session, who doesn't have that depth and doesn't have that uh, clarity of principles, I'm going to have to answer it a different way. And if it's a question which is being asked as an attack, uh, I'll answer it a third way. And if it's a question which is being asked uh, like I said by, by someone who is, doesn't really want to answer they just think that they have a good question I'll answer a different way 
always used as the paradigm, the connected Arba Barim Dibratara. The four questions is the Agada, even though that's, that's exactly what it's talking about, is how to answer questions. But I always use it not just for your own children to say the table, but I always use it as the paradigm of how to answer any question. And those questions were questions of the Chacham, which means a person really wants to know. Someone intelligent, and someone who knows, and someone who wants to know more. And someone like that, I have to explain. I have to explain the answer in as much depth as a person is able to understand and back it up and prove it so they'll understand and that's where the question is coming from. So a person who's really a truth seeker or a person who really wants to know, so that's the kind of question which I have to provide them with information and the clarity that they'll know the real answer. Those are the questions of a Chacham. The question of the Rosh is the person is coming to attack, which means he doesn't want the answer, he wants to, in his mind, disprove Torah or disprove Judaism or whatever else he's trying to disprove. And there's no point trying to get into a long philosophical discussion with him. <coughs> what the Haggadah says, the answer to the Russia question, which means, not literally, but it means turn the question around. Turn the question around and you can always do that. In other words, and the Shitaschah, that makes more sense. And then you have to admit that he, he doesn't have a better alternative. So if it's going to be a question of just someone who thinks that they have a good argument to disprove something, again, when that, that's not the setting, it's not the time that a person is called on to launch into a lengthy dissertation of the principle. The person isn't interested. He thought he has this proof that, uh, that uh, against Yiddishkeit, for whatever reason, it's going to be. And the answer to that is, just turn the question around, which means show him that, according to you, it makes less sense. So you, you, that's not an argument. Or whatever, whatever, we'll give examples, whatever the question is going to be. Then you get the question of the time. And the time is somebody who wants to know, but he doesn't have the background. So he needs the answer simplified which means I can't give him a long, complicated answer. He doesn't know enough or he isn't able to process that information. So therefore I have to know how to simplify things to something which is much more straightforward. Just a good example of this. Just a good, let's give an example from Chazal. From Chazal of, of uh, both of these ideas. Um, when the Gemaras tell the stories which they dealt uh, were asked to the Tanoim, and how they use whichever one of these methods is going to be to, to, to deflect the question or to answer the question. So, number one, we spoke about a Russia question. So, <coughs> the Gemara brings a story of a, the Roman general, consul, whoever he was, that asked from Gamil, that he said that you claim there's only one Hashem. Well, there must be lots of Hashems, because you see that... Uh, you dive into him here, and you dive into him in Rome, you dive into him in this place, and that place, and so in all the different places where you say that Hashem is, so there must be lots of Hashems, which is a typical Russian question, because, so what is the way to answer it? To try and prove Achtas Hashem based on the Salvavus on the Ram? No. So what is the answer? So, uh, what are we do? He called in this uh, Roman dignitary servant, and he said to him, he said, why did you let the sun into the into open the windows and let the sun into the apartment here. Now because of that, you won't have the sun in Rome. So what do you mean? It's the same sun. It shines here, it shines there. So he said, that's the answer to your question too. It's not a different sun every place you see the sun shining. It's one sun which shines everywhere. Uh, it's the same Hashem. Not because we dive into him and dive into there, it's different things. It's the same Hashem. We can relate to wherever we are. Which again, isn't a, a, a non-Dishan answer. It's a Russia answer. Prove to him why what he's saying is stupid. Uh, the time answer as the Gemara says, an example of a Meshav and Karcha, that uh, men, a heretic, came and asked him that maybe the world always existed, was created, it's a Hali Nashim created the world. So what does the Meshav and Karcha's answer to him? I see you wearing a suit. 
how do I know someone sewed the suit? Maybe just, we found it and it's happened to be. So, no, that can't be. So, uh, you can't have a suit and then someone sewed the suit. It's okay. You can't have wool and someone made the wool. Which is the time answer to the question of creation. And that is things don't create themselves, in the simple words. Now, can you, is there more depth than that? Of course. Can we explain how she created the world and what's the proof that she created the world? Of course. But that's for someone who's willing to listen and understand that. For a person who is beyond them, you have to find the simplest way to answer the question, which is, things don't create themselves. And therefore, the can't be the world created itself either. Okay, so that's a, <coughs> the third way of how to answer the question, is the question of the time. And the last question is what I call the question of the initial, which even though Nagara, he doesn't ask anything, but that's what I call any day initial, is the person who doesn't have to ask a question. Which means, and this is an important point, I remember years ago, when we, together with Rabbi we set up a course to teach people how to answer questions. This is always the first thing people make a mistake with. And that is, you must differentiate between what's a question and what's not a question. Which means, very often, a person wants to tell you a statement. That's not a question. They want to tell you their opinion. They don't want to tell what they think. Okay, entitled to think. Uh, that, that doesn't require me to say anything to you. Uh, because you're not asking me for my opinion, you want to tell me yours. And if that's the case, there's no point in my getting involved in the discussion. Because uh, you're well, not telling him because he wants to hear you. No, if a person wants to hear, that's one thing. If a person wants to tell me what they think, which is mostly the case, so okay, thank you for telling me what you think. There's nothing more to say because the, the person's not really interested. No. If they want it, they'll ask for it. Do you agree with me? This is, you know, I often get, especially with beginners, the rabbi, I think whatever. Okay, thank you for sharing that with me. There's nothing more to say because he's not interested in your opinion and all you're going to do by giving your opinion is you're going to get into an argument. If a person doesn't want to know what you want to say, they want to argue the point. So then again, if they want to argue because they want to come to a conclusion, so then there's what, there's what to talk about. I can prove it to you. If you want to argue for the sake of arguing because you want to argue because you're not willing to listen to anybody else, and happy people say like that. Rabbi, I don't believe in a creator. Nothing you're going to say is going to convince me otherwise. Okay, so I'm not going to waste my time. Right? There's no, you're not asking me. You're going to tell me something. So I'm not going to waste my time with you. There's no, there's no point. The person who's decided they're not going to listen, the person who doesn't want to answer, there's no point giving them one. It's the only daily issue. He does not ask questions. Don't waste your time with him. It's, uh, that, that's what I said. The one point is to know what the answer is. That's the question for us. That's our emotion. The second question is to know how to use the answer how to adapt it to the audience you're talking to. Because like I said, very, it very much depends on the audience how you're, going to, how you're going to present what you're going to say. And then again, it's not if you don't know how to do that that you don't have the right answer. You probably do. But you're not going to be able to convey it because you don't know the medium of how to, how to transmit it. <coughs> That's always the hakdama we give to the, the topic of how to answer questions. Yeah. Often I have... I would have discovered questions, famous questions, popular questions. I, would, I remember hearing that question being asked, remember hearing an answer, liking the answer, but I don't remember what the answer was. I remember I once had the question and loved the answer. That, that question is now no longer a question for me because I've ticked the box. I know that question is answered in my head without remembering the details of the answer. Obviously, it doesn't help you to answer someone else. It's, it's is that good enough or is it too superficial? It's, very your own, your it's, own it's not good for you well. and it's not good if you have to answer other people either. In other words, if, if it is a question, then you should try and look it up again and remember the answer. Where's a good place? Well, we're going to go through the different kinds of questions and we're going to have no, to explain each one. Is there a handbook of all the questions you want to ask no. answered? I don't know. We once tried to write such a book, but it got too long, too complicated. But it's a, 
it's basic hashkafa. Each thing will give you references for it. And the question is just how you, how you develop it and how you use it. But there's three, three important points to start with. General rules, which again, besides for what the idea of answering questions is, and the skill of knowing how to use, utilize the answer, there are a few important points you have to know. And uh, I always say these as, take these as the ground rules before you go into the job of answering questions, because if you don't follow these rules, you're just going to get yourself stuck. You're just going to get yourself stuck. And uh, it's not going to help you, and it's not going to help the person who's trying to, who's trying to answer either. Okay. Number one, make sure you have the answers clearly. An answer which I don't really understand, or is not completely clear to me, so I can conf- convince myself, it's okay, I understand well enough, but I'm trying to explain to somebody else, and then they're going to see all the problems with it. Especially if someone intelligent, and I'm trying to explain it, and they can say, it doesn't make sense what you said. And we've seen this lots of times. You know the answer clearly, or alternatively, if I know it's a topic I'm not clear on, then don't go into it. Because it's going to come out you don't understand. You're better off either saying, I do understand the topic and I can answer you because I understand what I'm talking about, or I'm better off saying, I'll ask, I'll ask somebody who this is their field because I'm not clear enough to answer it. That's better than trying to answer and then getting mixed up and the other person proving you that you know what you're talking about. It sounds, looks much worse. Now, if it's things of basic hashkaf, of emunah, the emunah is you should know it, and the mitzvah is v'yadat ha'yom, you should know it clearly. It's not enough to say, oh yeah, I know, I know, yeah, I know something called hashkaf. I have to know it clearly. I have to know how well. I have to know exactly what it means and exactly what, what, what the implications are, or anything else as well. And a lack of clarity for myself isn't good. But if it's a topic which is not basic emunah, it's not basic emunah, so I'm not mechuyiv to know it. Now, if I do, then, I'm, then I can answer questions on it. I'm willing to discuss it. If I don't, I'm better off saying Mirosh, I don't know, and ask, we'll ask somebody who does. And it's not a crime. You have to know Emunah, you have to know Yerushka, you don't have to know everything. It's not a crime to say I don't know. That's a better alternative than saying I do know, and then being proved you don't. Let me give you examples. Um, history. If someone wants to argue history with me. Now, Jewish history isn't part of Emunah. It's a kosher of a topic to know, and uh, it, it would be a, definitely a benefit to me if I did. But I don't have to. And if I never actually went into learning about the Tzkofa that I was showing him exactly who lived when and what time, okay, so that's not the topic I know. So if someone wants to argue with me medieval history and which Rishonim did what and where, and they want to try and prove that, I don't know what they're trying to prove. If it's not the topic I know and I don't know enough to answer it, don't get involved in the topic. It does, it's, just going, it's just going to be counterproductive for you and for the other person because then the rabbi who's meant to know, they've proved he doesn't. Rabbi has it as one of the three foundations, but that's maybe a different type of history than what Rebbe's talking about. Revolvi has it as the third aspect of where we seek out in the world. In the uh, 100%. That's what I said. It's good to know, but you don't have to base them on that. A person can be a man without knowing exactly what happened historically in every generation. But if that's a topic that someone wants to argue with you about, then you have to know the topic. And this brings me to my second point, where a lot of people make a mistake. And uh, it's, a, it's something to be careful of. And that is, remember, the audience you have, you probably know more Torah than them, you probably have a better grasp of Yiddishkeit than them, which is good. You're the rabbi. That's the field they're coming to you for. But don't go into their fields where they know much more than you unless you're confident you know what you're talking about. When rabbis start talking about science, they start talking about chemistry, and they start talking about biology, or they start talking about uh, electro- any other topic, you have to know that it could be the other people in the audience know the topic much better than you do. And therefore, unless I know exactly what I'm talking about and I can prove what I'm saying, you're going to come out looking very stupid. And I've tried to people trying to do this and explain things like the science. You never learn science. What you're saying is absolutely wrong. 
again, okay, you don't beg, a rabbi doesn't need to know science. But don't go into it if you don't understand it. And don't, don't, don't use it as a, as a springboard for a discussion with somebody that that's their field unless you know what you're talking about. <coughs> Otherwise, they're going to think that just like they could prove, disprove you on that point, they disproved everything. It's not a clever thing to do. It's not a clever thing to do just from a practical point of view. And that is something I want to answer and something I want to discuss is something I feel confident enough I know what I'm saying. Something I feel confident enough I know what I'm saying. Something I don't feel confident enough. There's nothing wrong with saying it's a good question. There are people that this is their expertise. Let me refer you to them. And that's fine. That's fine. Like I said, it, it, it's not... Tari may be expected to know. And when expected to know, no one's expected to know everything. Okay, so if someone wants to argue with you about why Torah law is uh, more just or un- more unjust than American law, unless you know American law, don't go into the topic. You're just going to get mixed up. Uh, and you're going to argue, so okay, there are people that this is their field. I, I can explain the Torah law to you. If you want me to explain to you like the benefits and uh, drawbacks of each system, you have to find someone who knows what they're talking about. And again, it doesn't, it's not that people say, I don't know something is a chisar. It's not. But to get mixed up in something I'm trying to prove and I'm sure I don't know what I'm talking about, it's a much bigger concern. That's the first point. The second point, and that's also a mistake a lot of people make, <coughs> and this is a rule which you always have to remember, and that is, don't justify what's wrong. If something's wrong, it's wrong. Don't feel that just because it's co-religionists, it's what Jews do, it's they've caught a picture of an Orthodox Jew doing something, that now I feel forced to defend it. What's wrong is wrong. And we don't change a hashkafa because people are doing things. If it's the wrong thing to steal from the government, to say, ah, but Orthodox Jews all steal from the government, if it's, don't defend it. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And whatever other way case it's going to be, we, it, it never works to defend the shaker. It never works to try and prove a wrong point. You're just going to lose credibility, and, they're going to, and for yourself, you've lost your own sense of MS. So then it's right, and I have to convince myself why it's right, and explain to the person why it's right. And if it's going to come across that I'm trying to defend the wrong, it's going to come across very clearly that I'm, like playing, I'm being apologetic. And was like, you don't really believe what you say. Don't defend, if, you, if, I know, if I think something's wrong, I don't defend it. If I think it's right because the terrorist said it, then I convince myself I don't know why it's right, and I'm going to explain why it's right. But something I need deep down, I also don't really hold up, but don't feel uh, forced to, because it's other Jews who do it, or because it's something which they ascribe to us, that it makes me feel that I have to defend it. What about grey areas like Kaporos, where... The majority of people might do a completely kalocha and according to animal rights, but some people are more lax in animal rights and might not treat animals so nicely. So they're wrong. So about the time, they're wrong. I don't justify what's wrong. I once said this, encapsulated once from a barrel wine, a beautiful line, but it's Mamish brings out this point. And he's arguing with somebody, he said, but Jews do this and Jews do that. He said, we're discussing Judaism, not Jews. And that's a very true line. You're not trying to defend people, you're trying to explain the concept. And oh, people don't do that? Okay, not everybody's exciting. People aren't living up to the expectation Hashem has of that. Yeah, we all need to do better. I don't that justify something which is wrong. It never works, and like I said, it normally backfires. Okay, that's uh, and you're not forced to do that. Your your you job. Explain where the where the misunderstanding came about. If I need to, but I, that my job and that is, is in teaching is teaching Hashem's Torah. My job is not public relations for Jews, or for the state of Israel, or for anybody else. Let's not mix that up. My job is to teach Torah, and my job is to represent Hashem. And that's the MS. And if people aren't doing what they're meant to do, okay, so people need to do the job. No one is perfect. But I don't, I don't distort my mission by trying to be the public relations department for people which are doing the wrong thing. 
That's the second part. What, sorry, what's wrong, wrong by their standards, but not wrong by ours? Let's say the Jewish role of the woman. She might be wrong according to their values, but completely wrong. Yeah, they're about carbonus, or it's about slavery, whatever it is. Again, if it's something which is MS, then I understand fully why it's MS, and I'm willing to come across and explain to you why it's MS. It won't compute with their modern day values. I don't have so. to, and that's the next thing I'm going to say. I don't have to agree with other people. But I have to, it has to be clear to me that what I'm saying is right. I'm not coming to justify and apologize for something which I also don't feel is right. And if I don't feel I can do that, then that's not the topic I'm willing, that I'm able to go into. In other words, if, I, if I feel fully convinced and I can explain, and for myself it's completely clear that it's the right thing to bring carbonus, then I'm willing to argue with somebody who doesn't agree. And if they're willing to listen, I'll explain to them. But once again, if they're going to say, no, Jews are barbaric, they, they sacrifice animals. And then that's it's a, like, it's a Russia question. So I'm going to answer him back, now you're a vegetarian. Because you also sacrifice animals. So what's more barbaric about this than that? And if it's someone that says, no, I don't want to hear. I'm a man of my mind. I don't, I don't want the temple to come back. I can't stomach the thought of animal sacrifice. Okay, if you want to tell me your opinion. Okay, fine. So you won't live to see it. Don't worry. But we're done. There's nothing more to say. Because uh, that you're not asking me a question. If a person wants to ask and say, I saw that they used to bring sacrifices. Can you explain to that to me? That's the time question. So I'll explain it to you. If you come with a longest and you come and explain it to me, like, why is it right? Why isn't it imp- compromising the animals? Why, why do animals have to suffer because we sent? Okay, you want to go to that topic? We'll discuss it. I'm happy to, to explain. I'm happy to teach. I know enough to what to say. But I'm, my, the main point is, I know I'm right. I don't doubt it. I don't have to agree with everybody else. I don't have to con- you know, convert my mind to Western values or what people think today. I can disagree strongly. But the main point is, I think I'm right and I know what I'm saying. And if you're willing to listen to me, I'll explain myself to you. But if I think I'm wrong, deep down I don't really believe what I'm saying. And deep down I think I'm trying to justify something which I myself am not convinced of fully. Don't do it. It's going to come across like that. And I'm going to get, it's going to come very clear. I'm trying to apologize for something which I don't really understand or fully accept myself. Then that's not the field I'm meant to be doing. I'm meant to either go back and think to myself, why don't I accept this and why don't I understand it? And firstly, teach myself the topic or give it to somebody who can do a better job. And that's okay. That's okay. I can say that this is a good question. My friend so-and-so, if this is his field, I think you should speak to him. And if the person's serious enough, they will. And if it's not serious enough, okay, we're just going to the next topic. They're not going to hold it to against me. People might often ask you for a rationalization of someone else's position. So they might say, explain to me what uh, Peleg Rishalmi are doing or what the Tarikata are doing. You might completely disagree with that. So then party. don't. Then don't. I don't agree with them. If Rebbe's given Shurim on, on, without agreeing with that position, explaining their position, does <coughs> he understand it? I'm saying Rebbe doesn't understand the position or Rebbe doesn't agree with their position. If I don't agree with the position, I'm not, I don't need to justify it. Speak to them. I don't need to. Okay, but let's, they're not going to ever come across them in their life. What's, what's, what, what, why, again, my they're job isn't to explain the Tarikata. My job is explaining Torah. So let's say Peleg Rishalmi. What they want to know? Why are Freudian blocking sweets from Rishalmi? So you're, I don't Once justify again, them. I don't have to justify it. Uh, and me, but are you allowed? Is it is it unwise to explain their position if you understand their position? If I don't hold of it, I think it's the thing to do. Because then you you identifying with it. Unless I say I don't hold of it, but there are those people who hold whatever, whatever it's going to be. And then again, I'm not responsible for that. I'm not I'm not of the spokesman not. of Peleg yeah. Rishalmi or anybody else. I'm the spokesman for Torah. So um, I want to defend the terrorist position, and if I don't think this is a terrorist position, I'm not responsible to answer it. I'm not responsible to answer it. If I want to explain background, then I can lose a disclaimer. There are people that I don't hold like this necessarily, but I'll tell you what they hold. Is that dangerous to do that method? As long as I'm not going to defend it. If you ask me for information, I'll tell you what they hold. If you ask me, well, why do they say like that? So then go speak to them. Yeah. That's not my job. Would, would you have your answer a question like that? 
Again, the first step may be the second step for sure not. Because again, I don't want to identify with something I don't hold of. And then once again, it blurs the boundaries because my job is to explain Torah, not to take sides in politics. Okay, that's, uh, that's the second, the second uh, guiding rule you need to have in answering questions. And that is, don't defend what's wrong. Uh, the third point. The third point, and that is, it's a karate on the second point, it's the other way around, and that is, don't be scared of the MS. Which means, even if it's something which most, which today's people don't relate to well, so I don't get, I don't have to feel uh, uncomfortable, exp- you know, putting forward the terrorist viewpoint because I know that people today don't agree with it. And if I'm going to try and say no, the terrorist doesn't really mean that; it's just a martial, it's a ritual. I'm being a chakran. I'm lying. It's not the terror. The terror means what it says. And the fact that today's people. Uh, don't don't think like that anymore. Okay, so then my, now I have to think. This is my job. I'm now defending Torah. I have to explain the Torah. I don't have to, so to speak, either hide the Torah or falsify the Torah to make it more palatable. That's not my job. And people today are going to say, that sentence, the Torah killed people? How can that be? It's immoral to kill. Okay, you can answer the question. Not to say, no, the Torah didn't really mean that. It was just a threat. No one ever actually got killed. That's not true. People did. So, are you willing to explain why death death penalty was something good? If you are, and you're clear about it, okay, go for it. You explain the Torah. If not, then don't don't try and change the Torah to make it something which people you think will be more comfortable to hear. If people today think that uh, you can't argue with evolution, it has to be the world is its forbiddance of yours. And then, well, what does the Torah say? So say, yeah, the Torah really agrees with that, but if that's not true, it's not true. So then be honest with yourself and say, no, I don't accept that. Again, I'm not, if I'm representing the Torah, I have to do a good job of it. And representing Torah means I represent what the Torah says. And if I'm not comfortable doing it, don't do it. But don't lie and say the Torah says what, what you think people want to hear, but that's not the case. Well, that's not the case. You, you, your, your job is to be, uh, so to speak, a spokesman for Hashem. I don't have to change this Torah. I'm coming to represent this Torah. And you know what? The result isn't my, my problem. I'm not responsible to get a certain amount of people to act a certain way because of the questions and the answers I gave their questions. My job is to tell what the Torah says. And if as a result of that they decide to come closer to the Torah, good. As a result of that they decide that they don't want to come closer to the Torah, once again, that's what's meant, that's okay. I, would not, I wouldn't like that result necessarily, but that's okay. It's better than trying to warp the Torah to make people happy with it and want to keep it than presenting the MS as it is. The Torah is MS. We don't change the MS. Yeah. This is this is like straight up lying as opposed to like not teaching topics that are very hard to handle. No, that I can choose. Yeah, if I decide that the person I'm trying to teach isn't yet at the stage who's going to understand this or accept it, so I go into it. If the person's going to ask me, I can't lie and I can't change the terror. Yeah, like about say for example, I'm Avria. Like we're, we're always talking about this. I'm Avria. Like marry your daughter off at three years old. So someone asks you that, like, like you know, like. So if someone wants to say to me, let's teach me a Torah, I don't know anything. I'm not going to start with the Amalekah. No, but, but I, I thought I'd ask you about it. I heard that the, the, the Torah is not... babies. Why are we killing Amalekah babies? That's okay. a classic Good. question. If you want to answer the question, you have to be willing to kill an Amalekah baby right now. And if it's not clear for you, then don't answer it. Because you can't do justice to it. I'll go and tell us. No, but I can answer the question. And I can answer that. I'm convinced myself I would do it. And then I'm willing to answer the question. And if I wouldn't be convinced that it's the right thing to do, I'd feel that I'd second guess if I'm doing the right thing. 
Don't answer the question because you're going to come across trying to justify what you yourself don't accept. No, but no, but Rabbi, Amalek, Amalek is, a, is, a, is a different category. Okay, Amalek, baby, the Ra, we have to get rid of Ra, kill Ra. Right. I'm talking about, let's say in Amalek, where what hypothetically it could happen. But the Gemara was just coming, try, trying to think of a Hei Chatimza, like, like, to Amalek, it should happen, why not? Of selling your daughter three years old, though? Fine. What's the problem? Rabbi always, always tells a story that, um, that, um, I, I, I don't know the I don't know the the, the, the basic storyline is that in, in a book that was that was a, a, a woman who wrote who learned Gemara wrote a book basically like had like wrote out all the all the um, caches on on all the Gemara all, all every source where where everything's against women or whatever kids are or one of her sources was I think it's Mark Sumas that says that a father can sell a daughter at three years old yes so Bergman always says that how silly it is because he he, he always saying like Gemara was the Gemara that, that wasn't common practice to sell your daughter at three years old. The Gemara needed to think, think of Hayat Hatimza to answer the question. The Gemara came up with the, with the abstract case, which is that case. That is true, you could. I'll, I'll be the Tintari. Right, could. but, but, but that, that, that's not what regularly happened. Like, okay, but if people ask you, why is the Torah allowed? You have to be able to answer them. It's allowed. It's allowed. The Torah says you can. How? How can, why are you allowed to sell your children? Okay, so you have to be able to answer the question. And that's what I'm saying what I said before. Number, first, you forget about somebody else. Answer it for yourself. Answer it for yourself. Why does the Torah allow? I have to be, first for myself. I have to be comfortable to understand Every what we're talking about. You have to go through everything like that and convince yourself. What he says, understand yourself, look into it, explain it, wow. work on it, so that you have, and you have clarity for yourself in Torah. Now that that's the first stage. Just even before you venture out into the world, you have to know yourself. You're clear, and you have to be convinced yourself of what you're doing. Now the next person is just how am I going to answer that to other people? Which means I have to think how to phrase it. So if the person's going okay, we're going to go through what he said before. Is a person asking, they've never heard of such a thing before, is that really true? Or is a person saying, explain it to me, I want to know. So I'm sitting down, I want to hear, explain it to me. Or is it the person that's coming to say, you see why the Torah is such an archaic system, they even sold their kids. Okay, so he's, he's coming to be a rush, just then I have to answer the rush. But whatever the case is going to be, so I have to think how to adapt the answer for the person, or for the situation. But the number is, I have to know the answer. I have to, be, that's what I said. And the starting point is my own idea. I have to know for myself, and I have to be satisfied for myself. I know, I know what the Torah does and why it does it, and I'm conv- completely convinced it's the right thing to do. But then, I want to, then I can be an ambassador for Torah. And if by myself I haven't convinced myself, I'm not yet clear, or I never thought about it, then I'm not a good ambassador for Torah. I'm not in a position to represent it. So the first point of answering questions is really answering our own questions and clarifying things for ourselves. After that, then we can talk about technique, which how to present that and how to explain it to other people also. Okay, that's our introduction. The two points, number one, the understanding of my own before I try and explain. And number two, and this is always quite the famous Briskarov, and if something I don't properly understand, I can't explain. So in order, even before I get to the stage of trying to teach, I have to know for myself, I understand it completely. Then I have to see how to be able to apply it to the audience I'm talking to. Another famous question, just to explain this point, it's obvious. If a person asks, why did the Holocaust happen? Now, I could be able to study the topic, and I have a good answer. But who's asking the question? Is it the person who's the survivor's child who has this like tremendous, uh, so to speak, pent-up anger or pent-up uh, uh, pain in their heart? There's no point going into long discussions. You're getting nowhere. They're not asking me for a reason. It's an expression of how they feel. How can Hashem do this? Don't go into longer discussions now of why Hashem does things. The person's coming from a point of pain, and the answer is, I understand why it's very hard the things we don't understand. 
I'll explain it. How to answer? How to answer? People, people ask the question. Yeah, I can see. I, I, I think I can understand a little bit how you feel. I know how, how hard it is to deal, to deal with tragedy. That's what you need to say because no one's interested in more than that right now. And if the person's coming, is I don't believe because how could there be a Holocaust? Find out. You want to be a Russia? Okay, I'll answer like a Russia. And if a person says no, I made up my mind. After the Holocaust, that's it. There's nothing to say. If a person doesn't want to listen, there's nothing to listen to. Okay, so then there's no discussion. But if the person comes along and says, explain to me. Um, it, it disturbs me. How could such a thing happen? Can you explain it to me? And they want to learn. Good, I'm willing to teach. So like I just said before, first I have to have an answer myself. If I haven't answered the question myself, or alternatively, for a lot of from kids today, even if they say this, they don't even know what happened. They know that there was a Holocaust and millions of Jews died, but they don't know what happened. They don't know the whole story. They don't know the details. So they aren't in a position to talk about it. If I want to first have to clarify for myself, I have to know what happened, I have to have an explanation and understanding that, I, that, that for me it works, that I'm, I'm, I'm happy with, then I can try and explain to other people. And then again, the three rules we said before. If it's a topic I don't know, don't go into. If it's a topic, leave it for someone who does know. Don't, don't, don't debate topics or don't get into discussions when I know myself I don't know what I'm talking about. Number two, don't defend something that I can't defend. Which I hold is wrong, don't pay defense. If I don't hold this right, then it's wrong. You're right. I, don't, I also think it's wrong. And if it's a Torah and I don't understand it, then it's not for me to answer. Ask somebody who understands. And lastly, never change the MS. Never change the MS, never misrepresent the Torah, then you're not doing your job. With those rules, that's the basic a person needs in order to be in the capacity of a spokesman or an ambassador for Torah. What do you do?